This is Hospitality in Our Community, a podcast for industry, by industry. Hospitality in Our Community is proudly brought to you by the Tasmanian Hospitality Association and TAPCORP. Well, Rose, we've done well, mate. We've, uh, we're here now in 2019 and we've made show three, so something's got to be going well with hospitality in our community. We've, um, we've made it to the third show. Third show, Oldie, and uh, it's been a good Christmas break. I hope all the members out there have had a really, really good, uh, safe and prosperous new year over that Christmas break. Show number three, mate, and here we are down uh, sunny Bishno. Yes, fantastic East Coast we're on. So we've had some great feedback with our first two episodes and especially the last show that we did with the interview that I did with the Premier. Um, Some fantastic feedback from everyone around the place. So what we encourage everyone to do, and we really ask that people subscribe to our podcast and also share the podcast as much as you can, because this podcast is about engaging with the industry, engaging with everyone, not just in Tasmania, but right around the country. There's going to be some great things in 2019 with our podcast show, um, and you'll see from today's show as we're on the east coast of Tasmania, just some of the great personalities and some, some of the great stories we've got to talk in hospitality throughout Tasmania. So make sure you subscribe, and as I said, share it as much as you can, so uh, this episode is coming from the East Coast. What we've done is we've travelled from Swansea right through to the beautiful Bishno on the East Coast of Tasmania and we've chatted to some fantastic venues. So um, in this episode, you can look forward to hearing from us at White Sands on the on the north of Bishno on the East Coast. We've also been to the Barkmill Tavern. We've had a chat to Lester at the Pondering Frog, which is a great little story. We've chatted to John Mann, the licensee at the beachfront at Bishno. And we've also had the wonderful Sarah from the Lobster Shack, who's a new member of ours in a new venue, um, have a chat to us as well. So there's really some exciting things. And we also got to talk, I think, Rones, you got to call into Craigie No Vineyard, which is between Swansea and Bishno on the East Coast, and have a chat to them. You know, run a great vineyard there, but um, that's just another great successful story on the East Coast. Yeah, it is, mate. It's a one of the uh, little boutique vineyards down there, and they've got a really, really interesting story where they've come from, and th- th- they're starting to really get the wheels in motion down there. So... Mate, we've covered a fair few things, so it's um, for all the members out there and all the the general public that actually follow us, listen to us, like us, and share us. Uh, you want to tune into this one because I reckon uh, we've got some great interviews. No, we have, and I also have coffee with Aldi this week, and I was lucky enough to have a great chat with Jane Howell at MLC. Jane's the member for Prosser, and she's probably the newest parliamentarian in Tasmania's parliament. It's great to have a chat to Jane and talk to her about what. What made her uh, get into politics? What her history is? What she wants to, yeah, look to achieve in politics, but also what her, she sees as the major issues in her electorate of Prosser. It's just a really interesting conversation. So as we float up and down the east coast, which is the electorate of Prosser um, in the upper house of Tasmania's parliament, it's great to have a chat to Jane about what she sees as the issues um, and what she sees as the future for herself. As as I said, the latest MLC within the Hodgman-led government. So it was a great chat with Jane. We've also got um, the legend David Foster is on the road with us and has been the last couple of days. And, mate, Rones, David's done a couple of cracking interviews as normal and he's been a great asset to us on the road and we've had a few laughs with him. Not everything that we do with David could go on tape, which is quite good, but we've had a bit of fun with a big man. Mate, we, we have, as I, as I uh, uh, try and hold a tongue in place, um, mate, he's a funny character and the interview he has down there at the... Uh, the pondering frog. It's just it's it's a ripper. I tell you what, it was probably it probably goes to air for about five minutes, but quite easily could have gone for about two hours and five minutes. Those two just would not shut up. But Mate, putting it in less to together yeah, no. was like a comedy routine. And uh, no, you're right. It was uh, it was a fantastic interview, and uh, probably people won't appreciate 
what it was like for us sitting there listening to it, but um, hopefully they get a little bit of a snippet. So, uh, Roan's on the road. Who did you talk to? I went to the great man, Timmy Bond. So, Bondy's got a good story. Started uh, really at the Crown Hotel, the old Crown Hotel in uh, in Launceston as a, as a younger guy. Went uh, down the Riv, um, but caught up with him now at the Bark Milk Tavern. And, and he talks about his journey. He talks about the venue down there, because it's not just a tavern. There's a few other things, a museum and a cafe. And about his new venture he's about to get into, but uh, you need to listen to the podcast there. It'll be great listening to that with uh, Roan's on the road with him. And also, as we sneakily did, we had David Foster interview his beautiful wife, Lorinda. So it'll be interesting to see what Lorinda's got to say about young Mr. Bond. Mate, I think uh, I think Bond will be brought undone a couple of times with some of his stories. May not be true, but uh, uh, sitting and listening to David Foster after he did the interview, um, I reckon it'll be entertaining. Yeah, no, looking forward to it. So this is a great show. Make sure you listen to the whole episode. Um, it's just been a fantastic couple of days up here on the East Coast. And we're really looking forward to bringing the podcast to you. So, Rones, as we start the year, I guess it's important for you know members and people out there in the industry to find out what has been going on the last sort of six weeks since we've done our last podcast episode and what's happening in the industry out there. So I know... One of the issues we've got is there's um, there's been some changes to the casual conversions in the Hospitality Award. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, there has, mate. Um, well, the casual conversion rates, uh, the clause, they've been now inserted into the modern awards, um, especially the ones that affect the hospitality industry. Now, the members need to be aware of the awards for existing employees and future employees as a guide. And all I can say is I'll direct you straight to our website and have a look there because they have been inserted in there. If you've got any other questions, contact the THR, uh, THAIR rep, which is Merv Saltmarsh, and his number is 0407 869 So Merv's a ripper of a guy. I think I've said this before in in the last two podcasts. He's the man to deal with any IR, IR issues. And it's important for people out there to know that if you're not a member of the THA, that um, if you are a member, IR services through the THA is completely free and part of your membership. So um, you can't get better value than that. So just make sure that it's one area within your business you can't do without the the very best advice. And we've got the very best advice for our office. So as I said, membership of the THA gets you free industrial relations advice 24-7 um, and make sure you get in contact with us and get the latest updates. So, um, also, Rones, we're coming up to that time of the year for those racing enthusiasts. It's Taz Racing Carnival time. Uh, not too far away. We've already had the Devonport Cup while I've been on leave, but we've obviously got the Hobart Cup coming up in the next couple of weeks and then the big carnival up in Launceston. So um, obviously the THA does a bit around, especially Launceston Cup, but also uh, Hobart Cup. Great time for racing enthusiasts, but also a great time for especially our industry to get together and share some time around the racetrack. Yeah, exactly, uh, Aldi. We've got uh, especially Lonnie Cup, I would say. So Lonnie Cup's on the 27th, so the 20. 20- Sixth, the Tuesday night, we normally have a uh, bit of a do at at uh, Bogues, don't we? Bogues Brewery, we have our pre-Lonnie Cup event, which is um, free for all our members and corporate partners and our VIP guests. We all get to, to Bogues. Brad Upton and his team look after us there in the courtyard of the Bogues Brewery. So that's on again this year. So invites will be going out shortly. But, mate, that's probably one of our marquee events on the on the THA calendar. It is. And the boys do a really, really good good job at, uh, at Lyon. So um, I encourage all members, get along when you can. Yeah, so we'll get those invites out in the next couple of weeks. You'll see it advertised um, through our newsletter, but also through the podcast. So make sure you get along to that one. Um, and also, Rowan's membership renewals. That's one for you, mate. Yeah, membership renewals. So we put them out late November, uh, and we've had a steady um, return back with their membership. But I just encourage people now to um, go through, get get your membership back in, fill out the form. Um, and the other thing is, if, if you've had any change of contact details or anything, 
or your, your important stakeholders, please contact contact us at the office. Yeah, it's very important. So, And one of the big issues, mate, we've got this year is our um, the implementation of our new strategic plan, the THA strategic plan. There's a lot of great things in our strategic plan. There's a lot of work gone into it within the office, through our board, and um, it's basically there for the whole industry. It's a lot of work we've also done with the government to plan where we want to see the industry grow over the next four years and also you know, further grow in the next 10 to 20 years. So um, we're working on the events calendar as part of that and a few marquee events this year where we want to get industry together to work on what they see as the um, major issues for the industry. So there's some really exciting events coming up this year and I mean by events is opportunities for industry to get together and um, discuss their needs, discuss where the industry wants to be over the next you know, th- three to five to ten years. Um, it's a really important time for our industry and with a federal election coming up this year, um, it's a really important time for our industry to make sure we continue to grow and prosper and um, you know, we've had a state election last year. We've got over the hurdles of that last year in 2019. is going to be a massive industry, a massive industry year, but massive year for the THA to implement a lot after things. So, Rones, you've got a massive year, you and Chris, on the road talking to members and engaging with them and, you know, I guess putting some real positive messages out there. Mate, we do indeed. And one of those things out of that strategic plan is uh, the industry roadshows. So this year we're going to be holding uh, around about two roadshows in five different locations uh, throughout the state with the industry-related content. There'll be industry guest speakers, group workshops, meet the producer, corporate supplier exhibitions and offers. Uh, I think we've got Boopa wellness sessions and, of course, there'll be some networking opportunities. So I encourage all members out there, please keep an eye out for your region and lock the dates in when they come available. Yeah, we'll advertise them through the podcast, but also through other you know mediums such as newsletters and emails. But make sure you keep an eye out. As I said, it's 2019 stands to be a massive year for our industry and um, a lot of good things happening. So just make sure you keep engaged. Make sure you get your membership payment in. Um, and we look forward to making sure servicing all our members throughout the 2019 period. And as I said, make sure you listen to the podcast, share and subscribe. Get it out to at least one friend, if not more. Get your staff involved, as I said. And we want feedback. We want to get it through the office to make sure that um, we get to the areas of the state we want to, but we want to make sure we continue to get the messages out through the podcast and talk to personalities within the industry right around the state. So um, really look forward to how this podcast three goes, how it goes. And um, I think it's going to be a, a really successful year with our podcast. Car show. On the road with Roni. Okay, and I'm down here at White Sands, and with me today I've got John Orlick, Operations Administrator. G'day, John. Uh, g'day. Mate, did I get that right? Yeah. Um, White Sands is actually White Sands, Ironhouse Brewery, and Ironhouse Vineyard. Okay, so a lot of people wouldn't, uh, wouldn't actually realise that, that in with White Sands you've got the accommodation side of things, you've also got the Iron House Brewery, is yep. that right? And yeah. so oh, brewery and distillery. And distillery. So, yeah. okay, so it's not just beer. So a lot of people would think it's just beer. No, no. No, so no not just beer. The beer come along first. The brewery was built first. Yep. Um, then the vineyard was started and uh, we produced our first and second vintage and then the distillery was built. Right, okay. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, so your background... So here we are, we're at a beautiful hospitality uh, venue. We're looking out these beautiful windows here and you can see the, the waves lapping up on the beach here. Mate, how did you get here? So what was your, where did it first start for you as operations administrator for this, this venue? Uh, well, originally I actually grew up here. Parents and grandparents started this. And then I went off, did construction work and heavy machinery and then I... Did um, 12 summers in the Antarctic, 
uh, working for the Antarctic Division and um, National Geographic down in the Antarctic with their Criticram project. Yep. And um, then I come back here and I used to do weekend work for John White. Just started building roads and bits and pieces and then eventually had the idea of building the vineyard, setting up the vineyard. So okay, you asked so me if I was interested and away we went. T- take me back, just take me back a little bit, Step. Um, so your grandparents, so tell me about that. So you, you, you yeah. said your grandparents started Yeah, they, started bought, this. they bought the property in 1952. And it started out as a farm, basically. And then in the 70s, they built the first four row, four units in the bottom row and swim pool come along, original swim pool. And then it just each year, they used to build a few more units and, yeah. Wow. All grew from that. So it's had um, two owners since they sold out. Um, there was a group from New South Wales had it for a couple of years and then John White come along. And bought it, yeah. So, isn't it ironic how things come around? So, you, you, oh, yeah. your grandparents started this, and then you've yeah. actually you've landed back here all these years later. Yeah. So, after you know your grandparents have got it, and then you've gone off. What's your trade? What's your what's your background? Background originally was um, heavy machinery construction sort of thing. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. tell me, how did you land down in Antarctica? Uh, driving machinery, right driving through, through heavy and heavy machinery yeah. stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. so you were down there for how long? Uh, it varied. It was each summer. And it varied from three months through to oh, six months and two days or something, I think the longest stint was. Yeah, always summer for the rebuilding program. Well, yeah. so you, you go from there and then you're also into, so the Critic, what was that, the Critica? Criticam. 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 That was with um, Leopard Seals. And so that's with the National Geographic? Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. so that was all part of why you're down in Antarctica. Um, they've come along to do yeah, some do specific studies on yeah. certain species. Yep. And you got involved in that. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. That's, that's amazing. So then after that, you've, you've come 12 years down there, you've come back, yeah. and then you came up here to see if you get back involved with, with oh, White Sands? No, I had a few years where I was just working around. Oh, I worked for um, Fieldwicks at St Helens for a while, just yep. with the concrete and driving excavators and stuff and did a bit of other work about and yep. then um, yeah come back here so you've been here now for uh, 11 years full-time yep yeah a couple of years before that was um, part-time and so yeah. what's what's your main main roles around here at white sands um, nowadays mainly the vineyard yeah, look okay. after the vineyard but um, in saying that I also look after the water supply and my, mostly the outside stuff all around the resort. Yeah, yeah okay. Right uh, um, look after. So with your water supply, so do you, you guys, you go through, you got your own water, you got bore yeah. water or it's no, through taste no. water? No, we, we've got our own water supply but we have to pump it. And, yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah, okay. So with the strain of um, the grape, what, what have we got here? What are we talking about? We've got Chardonnay or uh, Pinot? Yeah, we've or? got Chardonnay, Pinot Noir. Riesling, Sauvignon Blanc, Tempranillo, and Pinot Meunier. Favourite? I'd probably say a fortified Riesling. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. What's been the best year since you've been here? Last year. But, so Last year was our best year. So the 2018? Yeah. yeah. It was a hard year because it was very dry. Yep. It was in a drought. Yeah. Okay. But um, yeah, that was our best year. So what? what's it looking like this year? 
Yeah, it's a little bit all over the show this year. We've um, during flowering in spring, we had um, rainstorms and strong wind and everything, and it's knocked the flowers about a bit. So some of it's a little bit patchy, some of it's really good. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Mate, so over your 11 years here, you would have seen a fair few changes. I mean... Oh, yeah, a lot of changes. Yeah, so yeah. T- talk us through that. I mean, um, this place really has grown immensely over the years. So yes, yeah. Um, so the old original restaurant, that was all pulled down, oh, it'd be five or six years ago now. And the new swimming pools in the area where that was, the building we're sitting in now, this was, yeah, about five or six years ago this was built. It's a two-storey, multi-purpose building, I suppose you'd say. We've got convention rooms and a theatre and a 50-seat picture theatre. Uh, downstairs for the bottling area and beer storage and everything. Um, then upstairs where we are now, we've got the cellar door area and the restaurant out the front um, and the brewery and distilleries pretty much in the middle of the building. It's uh, Look, a lot of people, I reckon, when you mention White Sands, they're probably thinking from 10 years ago and it's a dramatic mm. change, isn't it? The, oh, the, yeah. What sits here now, it's, yeah. it's a stunning property, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, so th- how many people do you reckon around here would White Sands employ? Uh, in our peak period over the summer, probably around 50 employees. Yeah. Local? Yeah, nearly all local or local to Tasmania. The type of clientele that come down here, is it a bit of a mix or is it local or yeah. you've got a lot of tourism at the moment? Mainly families. We're sort of family orientated because of the accommodation, yep. being self-contained units and there's 27 of them. Um, three of them are three bedroom, so it's sort of it's more orientated to the families. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as we yeah. look here now, I can see some kids in that out here. They're enjoying the pool. Um, yeah. A really friendly, family safe area. I can see a putt putt yeah. green over there. So, yep. I mean, anyone that is listening to this, they should um, they should get down here. Bring your families down here. It's a great venue. Yeah. Um, so, in total, how big is that vineyard over there? Uh, Thirty four hectares. So relatively, is that is that large size for a vineyard in Tassie? No, I'd I'd say medium size yep. these days. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what yeah. what? It's often a question that people ask about yield. So what does yield mean in in bottles? Uh, is that a good question? Yeah. We usually talk in tons per hectare. Okay. Yep. Of fruit. Yep. Because a lot of the fruit that we grow is actually sold off. Right. Um, we don't actually make all the fruit that we pick. Um, yeah, so we sort of average around the five to seven tonne to the hectare. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And what does that equate to in um, – so how many how many litres would you get out of that? Uh, depends on what it is. So if it's um, for sparkling, yep. because they don't want the colour out of the skin so they don't crush it as much, it's got a different process. You don't get as much juice. Yeah, okay. Whereas other grapes, they can press them off and get a lot more juice out of them. Yep. Um, so that sort of determines that a bit. But uh, we generally work on about 700 bottles to the ton. Yeah, uh, okay. Yeah. So, so pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Have you eaten here much? Oh, yeah. Eat here a bit. What's your favourite dish out of here? Oh, I love the calamari. Calamari? Yeah. Really? Yeah. What's so good about your calamari? Oh, just it's always fresh and, yeah, they do a really good job of it. Local too, I reckon. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Future plans. I know you, it, there's what sort of future plans. Are, uh, uh, I mean, you've, you've talked about the transition of what's happened over the last 
four or five years of restaurant being pulled down and this new building, is there any future? I mean, you probably don't have to oh, disclose yeah, anything. There is things in the pipeline. Um, eventually, the vineyard will double in size. It depends on water storage and how many dams we can build and things like that. The owner hopes that one day we'll get a um, 60-room hotel. He's got plans for it, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So there's some vision here. So oh, it's yeah. not just yeah. a... Yeah. There's um, lots of projects on the go. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And it's good for the, for um, our listeners to actually hear that because, mm. you know, you're here for the the, the long haul yeah. um, White Sands and that's really important as a destination, I reckon, here on the East Coast. Yes. Okay, John, a couple of other things that uh, I've noticed since I've been here walking around is the stunning glass area you've got there. Uh, that's obviously the, the brewery. Yep. Mate, I don't think there's any place in Tasmania that I've seen that's got a brewery that's like that, that you can spectate, look at it, admire it, and then walk around the corner. I think I counted seven and a half paces, and I can get one right in my hand, and it's, it hits the tongue. Sensational. Yeah, there wouldn't be many places. You can actually stand, there's a full-length glass wall, gives you visual access to the brewery and the distillery. Yep. Um, so you can see the kettles and everything there. And the fermentation tanks are the tanks you can see in the room. Yep. Yeah, and you can actually see them there working and making and, yeah. Today's day and age, there's a lot of microbreweries and that out there. So I suppose if yeah, people if people are interested in, really interested in their craft beer and stuff and they want to look at a good operation, they probably yeah. need to come down, spend a weekend here because you can cover the whole suite, can't you? You, you, can, you can have a look at what's good, what good looks yeah. like with that distillery or with yeah. the, the, the actual brewery yeah, and then with the distillery. So what do they do? They do the vodka, uh, they do gin. Yep, they've got Or you gin. do gin, you do vodka, I should say. Uh, not me personally. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we've got our brandy out now. Yep. That's um, been out for a while and we'll have the whiskey will be on the go about midwinter. That'll be released. So. And that'll be your first batch? Yeah, if the whiskey it will, yeah. So at the moment, Tasmanian whiskey is going gangbusters and actually the gin is just starting to take off. So it's a great time to be getting into um, into the, the whiskey and the gin, I would assume, yeah, in Tasmania. it certainly is. It's yeah. starting to get a really, really good name. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing that, that caught my eye here was um, the actual tasting room here. Yes. So before you come along, I, I, I will admit I snuck in there and, and had uh, one of the paddles. Yeah. So yeah, there was the five beers. Yeah, the five main beers. Five main beers. Yeah. Um, I was I was taken back by the dark ale. Yes, yeah, they have a porter. Um, we also have a stout. They do a honey porter. They're all dark beers. Yeah, very good. Um, they vary a little bit sometimes because they put them on as a special. Yep. Sometimes, so you only got one on tap. Uh, you can always buy them though in the stubbies or cans. No, no, very, um, very good to to actually to actually taste the beers and then have them there so you can buy. Take away, you can sit out the front here. Um, oh, yeah. I sat out here earlier with on that stunning deck that you've got there and had a look at the ocean. Um, where there was not much breeze. I mean, the breeze has got up a little bit now, which is great. It's just cooled things off. But yeah. uh, you couldn't ask for anything better. Oh, Having your paddle exactly of beer, right. sitting out here, yeah. watching the ocean. And I did have a taste of your favourite calamari, and I do agree, mate. It's <laughs> sensational. Pretty good. Yeah. But, uh, once again, thanks for your time, John. Not a problem. Have you participated in the THA Great Customer Experience Program? This program is being pushed out across Tasmania with hundreds of venues already involved and being recognised for the great experience customers have in their venues. The program is presented by hospitality professionals 
who understand your issues and provide basic skill sessions that will enable your staff to do their jobs better and your venue to prosper. The program is funded by government and every engagement is free to you, done at your venue, when and how you want it. Don't miss out. For more information, contact Stephen Long at the THA. Okay, so I'm down here at the Bark Mill Tavern down at Swansea, and I've got a legend in the industry, Timmy Bond. G'day, Tim. Good morning, Nicholas. How are you? Good, mate. How are you going? All right. Yeah, not bad. Now, I suppose the purpose of this, mate, is to talk about the Bark Mill Tavern, um, but also dig a little bit deeper to where you come from in the hospitality industry. So, I suppose, first of all, how long have you been here at uh, Bark Mill? Been here coming up uh, 11 years, nearly March, 11 years, and... Uh, yeah, the, the actual museum was built in 1885, the museum which the Bark Mill's been built around. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we get a fair few tourists through that. And uh, as I said, you know, the bakery, it goes quite well in tavern and bottle shop, keeps us all out of trouble. Okay. So, actually, so the Bark Mill Tavern, we're sitting here at Swansea. So, from Lonnie, it's probably about a two-hour drive. Four cans. Four cans. <laughs> Four cans of VB. Uh, Carlton Draft this day. Carlton Draft these days, righto. And from Hobart, what are we? We're about uh, four cans. Four cans. So, so we're we're four cans between both uh, both major destinations. So, a lot of people would would think the Bark Milk Tavern is just a tavern, but you touched on we've got the cafe. Yep. So, what sort of what sort of stuff we do? We've got breakfast in there. Yeah, we open at six. Uh, goes through all different types of brickies, deeper different pies, pasties. Yeah, you know, just all bakery stuff. Yep. And then the new lady down there who's running it now, she's taking the bakery off our hands. She's just managing it for us. Yep. And she's inventing all the new little knick-knack things she's got, which are going quite well. Fantastic. And so the other, the other side is the museum, isn't it? So you, you, you mentioned really quickly about the museum. So what's the museum all about? It's when they used to chip the black bark mill, or bark off the um, wattle trees. Yep. And they used to chip it, bag it into... Big, big sugar bags. Yep. And then they'd, uh, the steamer would come up from Hobart. There used to be a jetty out here, went, went out one kilometre, and they'd uh, load all the bark up by horse and cart, load it on the steamship, steam it back to Hobart, and then they did all the dye for the Blunston boots and all the jackets and all that type of stuff. Yeah, right. All the tannin that used to go on those boots and jackets. So all that's still working? Uh, looks like it works, yes. Oh, yeah? yeah. So, yeah. But, but how old would it be? 1885. 1885. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's, if you had to look at it and see what somebody's designed in that in that time, it's simply amazing. We've got the working part of the museum, then out further we've got a, uh, for instance, fresh snow, how it was all, a wine glass bay was all set up and yeah, okay. all that type of stuff. So that'd be one tourist attraction that uh, that people had come to, oh, I dare say, to come and have a look at that. Yeah, we get all the coach tours. Yep. Now we got all the coach tours from the mainland, uh, McDermott's, all the other ones from all around Tassie, because they can basically come here. We can we can do the lunch for them. We can give them a tourist destination, and then they're all here. They used to pull up the road, and then they'd go everywhere. They'd lose. They'd be you know like it's a one stop destination type of thing here. Yeah. On the wish list from the Chinese and the um, Asians, the Bark Mill and um, another one just around the road. Yep. Is on their wish list to come to Swansea to see yeah, Cates, yeah. Catesbury Farm and the Bark Mill Tavern. Fantastic. So on uh, on average, what do you, so how, how many buses and that you got pulling up here of a day? Well, we do wine glass bay tours, which is huge. Like you've seen a couple in there this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 12, 18 seaters. Sometimes we get five or six of those a day. And then in, in the peak season, which the bus is about to start now, 
tourist buses. Um, we might get eight, ten, twelve a week of you know forty-five, fifty seaters. Yeah, right. We've got a good name for our um, lunches too. For a lot of the um, well, McDermott's coaches and Hobart coaches bring um, Linda's Van RSL up and you know um, Kings Meadow. Yeah, great. Probus. So yeah. So, so okay, let's go back to so. How did you start in the hospitality industry? I started working at the Crown Hotel when Billy and Eric had it. Yep. Just uh, one Sunday afternoon, I was in there watching the ABC winners, and one of the publicans was rather inebriated, and he knew I could pour a beer, so I started pouring a beer, and then the next Sunday I, st- I started work there, and that was back in seventy seven, seventy eight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. so, so what was your background then? Uh, telecom mechanic. Yeah, okay. about, yeah, I never knew that, Bondi. Yeah, I never knew you were yeah. a telecom mechanic. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah. So straight after that, so where did you go after the, after the Crown? Uh, I bought the Riviera. I went to the RC for a while. For sister had that for a while. Yep. And then uh, in '87, I bought the Riviera down at Beauty Point. How long were you there for? Uh, Ten years. Yeah. Yep. Kids grew up. Things at school, sport, couldn't afford the time to, you know. Leave your kids down there, so yeah. And then you come back to the TRC. That's where I run into you again. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, and so. then, um, so then after the TRC, you went to the Kings Meadows. Yeah, Meadows for a while down to the Clarence for twelve months with the Federal. Yep. And then uh, somebody who owned the Riverside gave us an offer we couldn't say no to, and we went back to the Riverside and had that for ten years. Yeah, and then yeah. and then landed here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, so this place. So back to the Bark Mill. So. How many people do you reckon you employ here? In the peak, we'd employ 35 to 38. Yep. Yeah. All local? No, no. You just cannot get enough local staff. All the kids, they're good for Christmas holidays and stuff like that. They'll come back. I'll give them the due that they work. But in the winter, you know, in the harder seasons, you know, we're looking for backpackers and we um, put an online thing on the other day with 13 applications in 45 minutes. Wow. Yeah. So you draw on what a lot of people from... Launceston or uh, um, from Hobart or just travelling tourists to, to just help travelling, you out? Just travelling tourists. Do you? you know? Yeah. Like we, we rent a house around the road, which is a two-bedroom house. Bedrooms both sides are quite good. And we can have two couples in that house yep. pay the rent and we can employ them here. So they've got, they've got somebody to come and stay. It makes a lot of sense. They don't have to you know, look for accommodation. We can put them in. Yep. We, we get rent straight off me to their pay. Um, yeah, they lock it in. Well, we've got an Irish chef up here now. We've sponsored him for two years, and he's renting Wilburn Sales Place. Yep. But um, you know, he doesn't want to go back to yeah, okay, Belfast where he comes from. He's no, he's happy here. Oh, oh. you'd have to be happy here, mate. Yeah. It's a great spot. He plays golf too, so it's okay. <laughs> I'm going to get to the golf in a minute. Um, if this wasn't here, what what do you reckon? So probably what I'm getting at. How important is this venue? You'd reckon. T- for the actual community, the people, the residents, the tourists. You've already mentioned some of the tourists. Yeah, we it's, it's a big local community. Um, I'd say probably 75, 80% of Swansea use the Barkmill Tavern yep. in one way or another. You know, like um, the Probers Club, Cricket Club, Footy Club, yeah, golf, all the clubs. Yep. I supply basically you know, all their alcohol needs and, and they all have their meetings and their dinners. Yeah, so it's, it's quite good. You know, the Bowls Club buy a bit office and we yeah. sort of all get on quite well together. Um, the old pub that used to be down the corner burnt down 16 years ago, I suppose. And uh, the guy who's got it, he's still got the, the motel, yep. didn't want a public bar. So he just wouldn't rebuild. 
so you're a destination point here for the locals, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's actually it's important. We had a podcast last time that we did down at Richmond. The same sort of story come out about the cricket club, the footy club, and everything like that. So you tip in a bit to the footy club, help them out, and the cricket clubs, or they they come and support you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You well, like we I supply all their alcohol needs and yep. all that type of stuff, and discounted. Um, the cricket club's pretty well self self sufficient with what they get. Football club needs a bigger hand because we've got to draw footballers from basically Hobart. Yeah, okay. And like, as you know, these days sports guys playing football won't come for nothing. No, no, so, true. But AFL Tez doesn't need to know that. <laughs> no, no that's, that's very true. Now, on sport, golf. Yes. So over the years, so your journey of uh, the hospitality industry has probably gone, what, about 35 years? Yeah, a bit over, yeah. So how many, how many games of golf have you played in that time? Uh, 35 by 52. <laughs> plus. <laughs> no, I reckon plus. Yeah. You play more than once a week. Yeah. Um, so on golf, so you're, that's that's your your next little project, isn't it? So yeah. come away from – so the, the word around the street in the hospitality industry, you'll most likely be finishing up. Uh, in a March. In a March. Yep. And so Nine, ten weeks. your next venture. Tasmanian Golf Tours, a uh, mate of mine, used to be an electrician here, he's got MS, he still plays golf, he's only got half a side of his body, he's cheeky plunket, lives up to his name very nicely. <laughs> he um, He's on the MS board for Tasmania, Yep. he got talking to me about six or eight months, well, probably 12 months ago now, and a uh, guy used to have Tasmanian Golf Tours up at Bridport, yep. he, JD, he died suddenly in Hobart with a heart attack with a busload of people. Yep. And we've picked up his name and, um, yeah, we're going to do five-day tours and um, we've contacted the cruise ships, um, hotels, because I've got to talk to the casinos. Yep. Um, yeah, just basically anybody wants to go anywhere, we'll pick them up as long as there's four to eight of them or 16. Yeah, okay, Timmy. So uh, probably enough about the, the golf now. That sounds really exciting. Come back to here. We, we, we touched a little bit on the tourism. So international tourists. So – what sort of the international tourists do we normally get floating around here? Yeah, as I said earlier, Dick, we um we tend to get a sweeping week or two of um it might be Chinese, Japanese, Americans, Irish, Poms, wow. you know, like and they and they just as I said that, that you you'll have a week of Poms, you know, yep. then you might have a week of Americans, and then well every day you've got Asians coming through to Wine Glass Bay on their day tours and stuff yep. like that. They, but, you know, they come in and they sort of look for something different, look for especially Tasmanian wines, you know, yep. which we stock a lot of our local wines with, you know, our Reds and our Sav Blancs and Pinot Gris. Um, and you can talk to them about that. They say, well, oh, it's expensive. Oh, it's very expensive, Mr. Bond. It's very expensive. <laughs> I said, yes, but it's very small vineyards, you know, and explain that to them and they, um, they'll take a bottle or two and then sometimes on the way back the next day or the day later, They'll call back in and buy two or three bottles of whatever we've sold them. Yeah, great. So they, they do realise how good it is. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, our local vineyards, Milton, Kelvin, The Bend, Gala, um, yeah, they're all specialty little vineyards. Springvale's our biggest vineyard down here, and Craigie knows a new one which has been re- rejuvenated. Yep. Um, all bar Springvale, all the important mines are hand-picked, and, like, that's a big thing these days. Springvale and Devil's Corner – do a lot of um, machine picking. Yeah, okay. So, but uh, yeah, then that's why you explain to them that, you know, you, you'll only get 10 pallets of 
the Ben Riesling and 10 pallets of his um, cab sav because he's only got four hectares of you know vineyard in, yep. which he runs by himself, you know, and he does a sensational job. And, and like, it's just, yeah, it's quite, quite um, beneficial for the pub when they do come back. Yeah. And, and they say, yes, you were right. And so it's not, all, not much bull dust after all. <laughs> now, mate, um, we'll probably finish. We'll probably finish here in a minute, but probably the hard hitting questions now. Right, just give me a quick answer. Steak or palmy? Steak. Riesling or Pinot? Pinot. Chocolate mousse or cheese and biscuits? Cheese and biscuits, thank you. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, the listening out there. Uh, Timmy Bond from the Bark Mill Tavern, thanks for joining Roni on the road and good luck with the golf. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Nick. Bye. The Tasmanian Hospitality Association together. That THAT is a fundraising foundation that raises money to assist young Tasmanians and their families with vital assistance that's not able to be provided by government or through other means. Financial donations can be made via the THA website or a simple call to our office. Introducing our next guest. Okay, so here I am at the moment down at the Lobster Shack with Sarah Hess and Marcus Walkham is watching on as because we've only got one or two microphones. But Sarah, thanks for joining us. No problem. Thanks so much for visiting. Um, now, down here, you, you become a new member of the THA, so the Tassie Hospitality Association, back in, I think it was October, um, when you were turning your venue into probably from a retail outlet uh, or wholesale outlet into the restaurant side of things. Um, talk us through that. Yeah, so obviously we've transitioned from a fresh fish retail outlet into now a seafood cafe. Uh, upon recruiting, which we've grown from two permanent staff to now 15, which is two-thirds of those are, are local employees as well as people who are on a working holiday visas who have been brilliant because they have the hospitality skills. But we knew of the THA and the reputation around providing industry expertise with recruitment and employment relations and felt it was a really good opportunity to engage and become a member. So we're really grateful that we have and that certainly helped us with um, employment contracts um, and providing some industry standards which we've um, been able to apply to our workplace. And look, I know I know firsthand that um, you've been in touch with our IR guy, Merv Saltmarsh, to yes. get all your contract of employments in place and everything like that. Sure. So that would have been an important thing when when first setting up. Yeah, very much so. Yes, but especially for our um, our chef because we were putting on a full time person, and it was a significant investment for us. But we knew that it was an important part of our model. We wanted the produce to be represented and presented in the best possible way so investing in a qualified chef was a big you know big step for us but we we're very pleased we did so you you, you touched on you've got a, a background in recruitment yeah yeah so I've had uh, 15 years in employment services and that was actually I had first-hand work with THA um, finding people employment and then went in, into retail banking so I was uh, managing a branch so I've had that front of house retail experience um, as well as growing up in a seafood family so that's given me some good foundation uh, to be where we are now. Now I was gonna oh, that was you took the words right out of my mouth because I was about to say 
Um, from what you've told me so far, you've got no um, experience in the industry, but now you've just touched on it. I was about to say, so from a banking background, recruitment background, how would you get involved in the seafood industry? Yeah, well, it just so happens, coincidentally, I found, I met a lovely guy in Vigino who had a seafood processing business in the Rock Lobster. So Marcus has also had a lot of years experience in aquaculture so he yep. actually completed um university degree in aquaculture and then managed fish farms so before taking on the lobster processing business so he's also come from seafood background as well so the two uh combination has been a really good one um and, and it's it look it's hard to to be focused because I sit out here at your lovely venue and I'm looking out at uh, the boat ramp there's some stunning boats that are coming in and out of here I've had a bit of a taste of uh, some lobster in that today. Had a lovely couple of beers as well, um, and it's just it, w- what a great venue to turn up to work and come to. Um, how would you explain to people how to get here? Yeah, so we're situated right at the boat ramp. So obviously, part of the motivation to diversify our business was the location. We actually were sitting one day at a, another venue on the East Coast and realised, wow, we've got a hidden gem here that we overlook the Gulch, Governor Island, and we've got seals, dolphins and whales that Fantastic. pass by. Yep. Um, we also sort of realised that our live export business had an opportunity because a lot of people visiting the state want fresh local seafood and they gravitate to the waterfront. So we felt there was a need, a niche that we weren't you know, seeing otherwise. So um, we had access to the product, we had the location, so we've put the two together. And you've just answered another question I, I, I had about your produce. So it's all fresh. It comes from that local area, doesn't it? So yeah. uh, Marcus, I remember having a conversation with Marcus uh, a couple of months ago when you guys were first setting up and Marcus goes out uh, fairly early in the morning, I think, and goes around uh, the bay, the coast, and does his fishing. Yep. So it actually comes straight from the ocean to the plate, basically, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So Marcus is a commercial fisherman, so we also catch um, product that we send to Sydney live as well as yep. product that we can sell directly now through our retail and our shop cafe. Um, but I guess the other benefit is that we've got access to other reliable fresh source of seafood with my family business, with the fish farm, as well as the live lobsters that we get from our local fishermen. So we can confidently talk to the source of the product that people like to know. They come looking for the story yep. and they like to know the origin of what they're eating. So that's given us a really huge advantage. And I suppose uh, your involvement with the community as well. So what sort of community involvement do you guys have around this area? Because that would be very, very important yeah. for you guys. Yeah, definitely. Well, Marcus has been you know, a well-established business operator in the area. So he's got a lot of network as well as we've been you know, proactively working with other hospitality tourism operators. So we're you know, always looking at ways that we can collaborate and support and ways that we can attract and build up more visitors to Bishino. But also we've been you know, actively supporting local – the RSL have the trivia nights that we've been providing them a seafood platter to raffle and looking at other ways that we can pr- create some local sponsorship. Brilliant. Um, yeah, so it's only just started and we want to develop that further. Um and I did notice, like, it looks like when I came down in, I think it was October, when I came down in October, you've expanded even more. You've got a nice, lovely deck out there, but as well as the car park. So there's ongoing investment in that area, isn't there? Oh, definitely, yeah. So we've, um, with our, you know, property manager as well as our Marcus and myself, we've invested a lot in that site. Um, 
given that we've also got our access point being the boat ramp, we appreciate and respect that the you know fishermen use that space. So we wanted to create another access point to our site um, so that we can have a car park that walks down to the deck. But again, the deck area is a prime position for people to sit down and enjoy a drink and some fresh oysters and some lobsters. So. Oh, look, do you know what? It's a perfect area out there. Like it wasn't there before and oh, I've had a look at out there today, as I've as I've turned up, um, just around that corner, I could I could pitch myself late on a probably a Sunday afternoon if my wife allows me to come down here with her and have a nice bottle of I don't know a local oh, riesling or something like that. Absolutely, yeah, we've got some beautiful local vineyards, so that's what we've proactively sought as well. Local, we wanted to support local producers, so we've got a couple of lovely local vineyards that we've. Um, provided on our wine list and we saw a beautiful post today on our Instagram page of someone who's paired a lobster roll with a local rosé from McLean Bay. So like that's exactly the experience we wanted to create. Fantastic. Um, now also I think you've had some government support haven't you with, with some grants and stuff like that from yeah, so what, what we were talking beforehand? Sure. So early in the piece the Tourism Driver Demand Project was um, available so we proactively applied and were successful in some assistance from the state government and that was particularly to uh, provide a tourism attraction. So we pitched to them our uh, proposal which was to create a um, interpretation on the rock lobster in the seafood industry, particularly in Bishno and Tasmania, um, because we wanted to provide people more information um, on the product and the food and what makes the lobster industry so prominent in our state. So, And, and you've got some information up, up top. Is, is that your viewing deck? Yeah, you know, that's viewing our viewing deck. So, so with, with the tanks and stuff? Yeah, that was the idea. So the live lobster tank and the interpretation. So that's stage one, but we really want to expand further on that because we – we just have so much more that we can share So yep. about the lifestyle and the industry and the um, fishing. Absolutely fantastic. And and as we sit here, I can see the glass bottom boat coming in now. Um, does that help generate uh, a lot more people into your area? Does, does that connect yeah. with you guys? Yeah, well, it actually has been. Like, Mateo's been great. We've actually had visitors come in and say, you know, they had just completed the, the tour on the glass bottom boat and he obviously talks to, oh, that's the lobster shack over there and he's really passionate about the local fishing industry as well. So he talks about the the site along the gulch and how that's developed from a industrial seafood processing factories and what they are now. So it ties it all in really well together. So just finishing up now, um, what's next? Wow. So we've obviously been um, thrilled and excited with the support that we've received so far in developing the business because a lot of people have said, great, finally someone has, has filled the niche. The food industry is obviously something that people are visiting the area and the tourism numbers are growing year on year. So, um, yeah, I think we'll want to continue to push ourselves and look for better ways of promoting and showcasing Tasmanian seafood. Fantastic. Sarah, thanks for being part of the show um, and – Log on to our podcast when you can to listen to this because I reckon this is a fantastic interview. Thanks for your time. No worries. Thanks so much. A word from our sponsor, Tabcorp. Tabcorp has played an enduring role in building an industry based on sustainability and strong partnerships. Introducing our next guest. Okay, and I've just uh, called in now to Craigie No Vineyard. And sitting across from me is Glenn Travis. Welcome, Glenn. Hello. How are you going? Yeah, good, mate. Um, now, tell me a little bit about the, the the vineyard. From what I've actually read down here, it's the oldest, one of the oldest vineyards on the east coast. 
Yeah, Craig, you know, uh, is the oldest vineyard on the East Coast. It was started back in 1979 and it was started by John Oswick. And John was a dentist from Hobart. And he'd travel up every weekend with his wife and his three girls and toil away all weekend. Um, and he had a real love for Bordeaux-style Cabernet. Yeah. And uh, so he's planted a lot of that in here. Um, and that was all planted in 1979. And so uh, he tells a story about um, sitting on the hill talking to Jeff Bull from Freycinet and Jeff said to him, you're mad, John. And 12 <laughs> months later, Jeff Bull's put his own vineyard in up at Freycinet Vineyard. Fantastic, mate. So it's coming up to 40 years. So it'd be 40 years old this year. That's correct. Yeah, wow. doing anything special? Uh, we started talking about it. We'll have to find out when the anniversary should be. We don't quite know when John started. <laughs> okay, very good. Now, I suppose a bit about your background down here. Where did you start? Um, from working life, and then how was your journey into the into the vineyard and wine industry? Well, uh, interesting working life. I've uh, done a few different things. Um, probably my biggest background is uh, I worked for Woolies, and I did actually run all the cheaper liquor stores uh, when they were set up way back when. Yep. And uh, of course, I stayed with that until they decided to put my office into Sydney and left me behind. <laughs> and so then I bought into a wine wholesale distribution business, uh, did that for a couple of years and uh, did a few other various bits and pieces in retail. Sandy's actually a pharmacist and we had a pharmacy for a while. And then uh, we came across um, Cranbrook and Craig, you know, in fact, we came away for a holiday for a couple of days and drove through Cranbrook and said, why would anybody give a town this small a name? <laughs> <laughs> then talked about doing some, uh, you know, perhaps we could reinvent ourselves into a, a vineyard. Yep. And uh, lo and behold, on Monday when I go back to the office, there's an email from LJ Hooker Commercial saying, Craig, you know, is for sale. I thought, oh, my God, all the stars have aligned. <laughs> expensive holiday, mate. Very expensive. <laughs> we warn people when they stay at Piermont, be careful, you might come away with a vineyard. <laughs> so... Um, so you've, told, you've talked about the history of the vineyard and you've given us a little bit of your background. So down here, uh, what's the team made up of? Well, it's a pretty small team actually. It's uh, Sandy, uh, my wife, um, Alex, our son, yep. and uh, Alex is just in the process of buying into the business at the moment, and, uh, and myself. And then we get in some, uh, some labour. Yep. Uh, certainly for picking, we try to use as many locals as we can. Yep. Uh, that gets topped up with uh, overseas backpackers. Um, we've actually got a, a German backpacker working with us at the moment, yep. uh, helping us get the vineyard ready, um, putting wires up and leaf plucking. Um, we get uh, some contractors in occasionally and they're all overseas uh, backpackers. Yep. Um, but a very small crew. Yeah, However, okay. uh, we are about to expand. And so uh, we'll be looking to see what we're going to do down the track. So at, at your peak, um, is there a figure you can put on it of, of how many people you would have? You know, is, is your peak time when it's picking time? Yeah, picking time's peak. Um, but we do like probably six different picks, yeah, depending okay. on what variety we, we're um, picking yep. as to how many people. Uh, I think the biggest pick we've had is uh, from eight in the morning till six at night with 14 different people. Yeah, okay. Uh, speaking of variety, so what sort of variety do you have down here, as in the grape? So uh, here we have, uh, on this uh, site, we have um, Cabernet Sauvignon, which is a Bordeaux blend, so it's a blend of four different grapes. Yeah. Uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc, Merlot and Petite Verdot. Yeah, right. Uh, we also have Riesling and um, Pinot Noir. 
Right. We also have a second vineyard uh, which is along, on a long-term lease and that has Pinot, Chardonnay and Pinot Gris. Right. And so uh, those, those varieties keep us pretty well covered. Gives us seven different wines. So, and so the vineyard itself, so what's the size and what's the size of the, the, the one that you lease as well? So what are we talking in hectares, I suppose? Okay. So uh, this property is in total 20 hectares, but undervine currently is three and a half. Yep. Um, and we will be expanding in this October and putting another 6.2 hectares in. Um, and the second property is uh, one and a half hectares. So currently we're managing five hectares with three of us, uh, but when we go up to uh, 11, it's going to keep us pretty well on our toes, I reckon. <laughs> well, you've, you've, you've led me into the next question about expansion. So you, you've, you've got some plans um, to expand by the yeah. sounds of it? Yeah. So um, we were lucky enough to purchase an additional uh, 12 hectares just recently. We've uh, put a dam in um, and we're just uh, waiting for the rain season to happen. Well, in fact, once the river starts running, uh, we'll start pumping in next year. Yep. Um, we've um, developed a block on the other side, which has all been ploughed and uh, got all new fertiliser in it. Uh, plans are underway well and truly. Uh, infrastructure will start in the next couple of months. Yep. Um, and so by October, we should have uh, another 17-odd thousand plants in the ground. Fantastic. So when you plant, um, how long does it take to... to Bear fruit? takes really about uh, three years before you get any fruit that you can use. Yep. And depending on what variety it is, um, we may just sell it to somebody for sparkling. Um, if it's of good quality, we'll use it ourselves. Um, but quite often they're um, a little bit acid when they first uh, get grown out. So they, um, we, we try not to use fruit that's going to be inferior because our, our product is a, a premium product. Yep. Um, so we'll make sure that the fruit's up to scratch before we start using it, but three years minimum. Yeah, okay. Now, you've, you've got a, a lovely cellar door here, so people, um, if they're on the road travelling around the East Coast, uh, especially in between where we are really is situated between Bichino and uh, Swansea, so you, you've got a, a cellar door, someone normally here yep. between the hours of... So, um, well, during all of January or from Christmas through to the end of January, we're open seven days a week, 10 to 4. Yep. Then from uh, February through to the end of Easter, we'll go six days a week, so we'll only be closed on Wednesdays. Yep. Uh, and then from uh, Easter through to November, we go back to four days a week. Okay. Um, so Friday through to Monday. Um, but, yeah, always always 10 to 4. It's a fabulous site. We're, as you said, we're 16 kilometres north of Swansea. Okay. 25 kilometres south of Bichonneau. Yep. On a side road. So <laughs> you have to actually look for the signs if you can find them. Um, but uh, I think the best, the easiest way is to say um, when you're coming north at Gala Cellador, turn to your right, and that's Glen Gala Road, and follow that down to us. Perfect. Now, you also have um, you have offers on, on your website and everything too. You, you've, you've got a good web presence yes. by the look of it. Yep. Yeah, yeah we've, uh, so everything's available online. Yep. Um, we have a, a great uh, social media presence as well. We try to uh, post three to four times a week. Yep. Um, and we try to do interesting stuff, not always sell, sell, sell. Uh, we like, well, last year, for example, I um, – did a photo every week of a vine growing. So from yeah, beginning okay. of September up until when we actually put it into the press, uh, every week you could see how, how fast they grow, and that was interesting. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so what, just really quickly then, what's the website? 
www.craginode.com.au. Perfect. Um, now, what sort of um, community community involvement? Do you guys get involved with the community and that around, around here? Well, not so much me, but uh, Sandy, she's actually a volunteer ambulance officer. Oh, yeah. And our son Alex is a volunteer firefighter and also on the SES. Yeah, okay. So that would be very important for around this area, especially this time of year. Yes, it certainly is. You know, um, the ambulance service up here is fabulous and the medical services. Um, so really lucky that we've got um, a great team on the ambulance and the great team of doctors at Swansea. It's actually, uh, if you go to the Mayshore Health Centre, that's actually uh, an emergency room of the Royal Hobart Hospital. Yeah, right. Okay. So great services for everybody on the East Coast. Fantastic. Now, also, I, I, uh, I should really mention um, that you've got some food options here because, you know, you've got your... your Beautiful, I dare say you'd have some beautiful Pinot. Most definitely. Uh, which I did sample a couple just earlier and you'd have to have some food choices, some cheese and pickies and stuff, I, I reckon, wouldn't you? Yeah, so we, we offer um, what we call our vineyard plates, which is a yep. selection of um, either cured meats or smoked salmon with some cheeses, olives, uh, some rocket, some dips, um, cucumbers. It's just a, it's a lovely – it's perfect for, uh, for two people. Yep. Um, otherwise, we've got our cheese boards, which um, are basically made up of pine garner cheese and Cold River Farm. I was going to say cheese. local produce, yep. Yes, try to use as much local as we possibly can. Great. Um, we do our wine and chocolate experience as well, which is three, matched, uh, three chocolates, sorry, three wines matched with six chocolates. Great. And they work an absolute treat. Um, yeah, and they're all um, Cold River Farm chocolates, so all nice and local produce. Yep. Um, and that's available all the time. And we do quite often get food trucks um, and so forth coming in. Uh, most weekends during summer there'll be uh, a food truck here and uh, we'll be doing some music in March, 17th of March. We've got uh, Meg Guy and Eliza Spikers and uh, Nick Wardlaw coming down. Beautiful. And uh, well, last time we had them we had about 220, 250 people here so plenty of room. They hardly even touched the space when they came in and you're right amongst the vines with it. Mate, I was, uh, we'll probably just leave it there in a minute but if you could, uh, if you could have a 30 second um, pitch to anyone that's listening out there, why should they come down here to Craigie No? Uh, I think we have absolutely fabulous wines. The setting is marvellous. Uh, the experience you'll get at the cellar door um, is educational as well as enjoyable. Um, it's just well worth your while. And the East Coast is just lovely. Fantastic. The Gold Coast, I've been told, of Tasmania. Absolutely. Glenn, thanks for your time and, uh, and taking the time out and all the best for the future. Thank you very much. Have a coffee with Aldi. Well, here we are on our third show, and it's normally the Coffee with Aldi segment. We've changed it week three to be a beer with Aldi. So it's great to have the newest parliamentarian into Tasmania's parliament, um, MLC Jane Howlett, with me today. Welcome, Jane. Thank you, Aldi, and thank you for having me on the show. It's good to have a beer with you. We, the Premier wouldn't have a beer with me. He had a coffee, so it's good that you can now brag that you were the first to have a beer with Aldi. So. I'll have a beer with you anytime, Aldi. Fantastic. So here we are um, up at up in Swansea at the Bark Mill. So we've, uh, just so you know, Jane, we've been around your electorate a fair bit today, and we've had a chat to Tim Lorinda Bond at the Bark Mill here, um, and we've been a few, around a few other great joints up here in Swansea, so it's good to get you in your own electorate, and obviously you wouldn't be surprised that it's a beautiful day here on the east coast of Tassie. Uh, look, it is, it is just... Just perfect out there. I've been uh, out and about talking to local constituents this morning and small businesses, and I actually managed to get a swim in very early this morning. So it's just 
What a stunning day. It's oh, magnificent. It's, it's a fantastic electorate you've got. You're very lucky to be the new member for PROSA um, and it's a fantastic electorate. So, um, look, as I said, what's it feel like to be the newest member of Tasmanian Parliament? Obviously, it's only been a short time that you've been in Parliament and you haven't um, been into the Parliament session that long, but you have run for politics before, so you know a fair bit about it. I have run for Parliament multiple times before and uh, – Sometimes it feels so surreal. I've I've actually made it and uh, I have to pinch myself some days. Yep. I love my job and uh, I have the, the most beautiful electorate, I believe, and uh, there are just some magnificent people and magnificent businesses amongst the electorate and it's an absolute honour and a privilege to represent the people of PROSA and the people of Tasmania. Yeah, it's great. And I'm, I know from talking to a lot of the people around here in the last couple of days, they're very excited to have you on board. So, um, look, let's start off by giving our listeners a bit of a chance to get to know who you really are. So, let's talk a little bit about Jane Howlett. What's your family upbringing and a bit of history and stuff so that we can get a bit of perspective to people who don't know as much about it? You. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, do I need to reveal my age here, Steve? Or well, so that's entirely up to you. <laughs> look, um, I'm 43. I have uh, two, two children. Dimitri is 23 and Penelope is 11. Um, I have a very supportive husband, Sergey, yep. but uh, I guess uh, basically I grew up on a property in Richmond. I spent all my life there. Um, I worked on the farm at Campania with Dad. Um, if I wasn't working on the farm, I was actually out around all of Tasmania competing in equestrian events. Um, and if I wasn't doing that, I guess I was fortunate enough to be able to drive any machine that someone put in front of me. So <laughs> I'm not too bad on a D9 or, or a little bobcat. Useful skills. I'm, I'm pretty pretty versatile, really. Yeah, it's interesting because um, our second podcast we actually did and on that show we featured the premiere. Um, we actually went down Richmond, Ca- um, Cambridge way. So that's obviously your, your territory. So you know all the probably the people that we chatted to down there in the fantastic places. So it's just funny that we've got you on the third show and you're elected but you actually come from Richmond, so. Definitely, and next time you're down there with the Premier, perhaps we can get him on a dozer or an excavator and have a bit of a challenge. Could be some good picks there. <laughs> Absolutely. Look, Prosser, as we know, is a rather large legislative council seat in terms of land mass. It's pretty it's pretty big. So for those listeners um, on the mainland that would be listening to this, can you give our listeners an idea of the boundaries of your electorate that you represent? Because it is actually a very um, diverse and large area. Absolutely, and a lot of people say to me, wow, what a big electorate. But I guess... Uh, Having having come out of a, a state campaign and campaigning for the seat in Lyons, it is significantly smaller. Yeah. Um, well, Lyons is, let's be honest, Lyons is massive. <laughs> absolutely. It's 40% of Tasmania, basically. Yeah. So um, I I managed to cover the electric, yeah, quite well, I believe. It's, it's 8,500 metres squared. And as far as the electorate, it is so diverse. As I mentioned before, the industries that are in it, but... Um, I guess it's really fortunate we've got an abundance of vineyards. We've got uh, gin distilleries popping up everywhere as well as whiskey and uh, there's some amazing things about to happen in in Oatlands as well as far as development um, from a whiskey point of view. It is really, really very interesting and fascinating what's going on within Prosa and I look forward to seeing the growth and being there from the beginning to 
it's the potential is just enormous from yeah. a tourism point of view. Which is massive. So basically, guys, correct me if I'm wrong, Bishnoe, as far up the east coast to Bishnoe and, and includes Bishnoe, through Oatlands, down through Baghdad, et cetera. But you've all, you cover also the Tasman Peninsula Absolutely. too, don't you? Yeah. So we go all the way down to the Tasman Peninsula. Yeah. That's a massive area to cover. For an MLC, because you're right, Lyons is obviously, from a state perspective, bigger. But when you talk MLC seats, we've got, what, 15 MLC seats, um, possible without – Talking factually here, I'm just having a bit of a guess. That'd have to be pretty much the largest landmass one, like covering distance just yes, about, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I guess it would be, uh, as far as tourism is concerned, it's it's massive. For well, tourism. having Port Arthur involved in it. Well, yeah, the <laughs> biggest tourist destination in, in Tasmania. Yeah. yeah, no, that's right. So, um, as we talked about, running for Prosser was not your first run at politics. What made you originally want to get into politics? Well, my dad, my dad was always very passionate about Tasmania and local communities. He was mayor of the Southern Midlands Council for, for a long period of time. Um, I guess I really didn't have a choice about joining the Liberal Party at the age of 10. I was... Uh, Happy in, birthday. In, here it yeah, is. <laughs> here's your membership uh, and, and here we go. I guess I'm passionate about the party. I'm passionate about the people of Tasmania and the future of our great state. And as a child, around the dinner table every night was discussing local issues. And I guess I really saw a sense of pride in my father when he managed to make a difference. So I've always wanted to make a difference. Yeah, it's at least the right reason to go into politics. So um, what do you hope to achieve in your first six years? Obviously, um, there's things personally you'd like to achieve or fight for um, that probably got you into politics. What do you hope to um, do in your first six years? Obviously, the first part is to understand what your role is, and I mean that more from a yeah, how Parliament works and all those sort of things. But what do you hope to achieve in the first yeah, six years? And, and wow, as you know, referring to what you've just stated, as far as understanding my role, what a learning curve uh, as far as coming out of an election campaign and going straight into Parliament sitting. Yeah. Um, I, I had an enormous amount of help and, wow, what a learning curve that was. Um, as far as what I want to achieve, I want to be seen as someone who fights for their community, someone who stands up, someone who is approachable and someone that can get things done, I guess. I've, I've been very fortunate lately. I've had a couple of, couple of wins which have been important to people. Um, we had issues with the Anglican church sales yep. and... And uh, I fought very hard, and uh, I managed to save with other people a, a third, a third of those churches. I mean, you can't always please everyone, but that was that was really good. Yeah, that good was outcome. a good outcome, not for everyone, yep. but uh, also with the Dodgers Ferry, the Sharks, the yeah. footy team. I love um, my footy, and I used to be president of Sorrell many years ago, and the, the Dodgers guys are great. I did see that on your Facebook to, that you helped them get their um, yeah. the water on the oval, which they were desperately needed. And and look, that that was great to be able to achieve that, and and we're working together now, moving forward to find a long term strategy and solution for that. So that's why I'm here, and that's what it's all about. It's all about delivering, I guess. Yeah. Because yeah. I think the biggest thing I know from being involved in communities is they just want to be able to have um, someone who is um, who's open enough to be known by everyone in the community, but when they do have an issue, they know and they can be approachable. And I think people like Elise Archer have managed to do that over their sort of first four to six years. And I think if you um, go down those same lines, I think it's a great way to be because the end result is if people know that they can rely on you to help them in their electorate. And the Dodgers Ferry one was a classic, I reckon. They've struggled for a long time reading the messages. And for them to have you come along and actually take an interest and fix it for them would make a huge amount of difference to that local community, I'm sure. So, 
Yeah, and and for me, as I said, that's what it's about. It's about achieving really good outcomes. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Now I know you um you you're brought up in Richmond stuff, but um, as I understand, you don't live in your electorate, which I don't personally think makes a lot of difference. But what are your views on people who say that you need to live in your electorate to properly represent it? Oh, I do hate that question, Aldi, and I might need to have a sip of beer here at the moment. Because <laughs> as I said, I don't I don't believe it's actually um well, it, it is needed that you need to live in your electorate. I think it comes down to if you're going to serve the people there and they're your number one. Um, your number one priority, then it's that's all fine, and you'll you'll live to um, uh, you'll live by your reputation and what you end up achieving anyway. Look, Oldie, I guess there are many politicians who actually don't live in their electorate. I don't see it as an issue. I spend every day in the electorate. I was educated. I went to Campania District High School. Um, Sergi and I got married at the little Campania Church. In at, you know, I've. I'm not I've sure spent, you get any more like I've, I've spent over 30 years there um, and I could not serve any other area. I'm not a city girl. Um, the country is my passion yeah. and the people that live in those local regional and rural communities, that's who I relate to. Yeah. Well, if you didn't, you wouldn't have got elected. No. So. No. Um, being a regional electorate, the issues or concerns of those in Prosser would probably be slightly different to capital cities, do you reckon? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, look, jobs jobs are obviously a major concern in, in regional areas, yep. you know, as, as is infrastructure, public transport, um, particularly the areas of, of Brighton and Sorrell, you know, we've, and Southern Beaches, we've got growing pains down there, which yeah. we've got a plan to deal with. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's fantastic that those areas are growing and yeah. we've got young families choosing to live down there. Yeah, it's amazing. I was being up the coast these last couple of days. How many people have been talking about saying they've seen young families move to the East Coast, which is amazing and obviously great because you need to get those people in there. But you said, we've got to make sure we've got the infrastructure and other things to, to go with it. But it's actually a, a good problem to have. It is. And and you'll see, I mean, we're building a, a brand new high school in Brighton and we're also building a, uh, a new school down at Sorrell from kinder through to uh, year 12. Yep. So, yeah, we're, we're providing infrastructure for those areas. That's great. Um, I asked the Premier this question. So um, the name of the podcast is Hospitality in Our Communities. How important do you believe hospitality venues are in our local communities and how important do you think they are in your electorate of Prosser? Hospitality venues are extremely important. Um, well, not only from an employment point of view. I started out waitressing after school down at the Richmond Maze back then. Yep. And... Uh, Look, it, it is – a venue is where, as a politician, you can actually go and you can really find out what the local issues are. People feel comfortable there. Uh, they're having a beer. As long as it's not election time, they're happy to have a chat. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess that's where you find out what the real issues are. Yeah, that's um, right. And also, it's a place where people can go- congregate, um, you know, have a game of pool play bingo, and just have a chat. Yeah. We'll have a look at where we are today here at uh, the Barkmill. I mean, the amount of people that have been coming through this place um, just today and also through the, the bakery here is just unbelievable. It's just I, I'd hate to think what Swansea was like if it didn't have the Barkmill here because it seems to be the hub of just so many things. And some people are obviously not coming in here to eat or drink. They're actually just coming in to say hello to Bondi or, <laughs> or coming into the bakery or just stopping at the toilet. I mean, um, it's all the infrastructure things that this sort of place brings. And this pub is no different to so many other um, regional communities. That's right. And it's... Not, as you said, you know, you've stated the importance for for tourism and and for locals as well to congregate. So they are vitally important to to our region. Yeah. Um, 
Have you any favourite places or hot tips for people looking for hospitality venues in your electorate? Well, if you're looking for a hot tip, I'd certainly be looking at what's going to happen in Oatlands in future. Yep. I think that is just going to turn into a ripper of a tourism destination. That'd be fantastic for the people of Oatland. I know a few up there. Yes. Um, as, as far as destinations are concerned, where do you start? I yeah. mean, from, from Port Arthur right up to Bishnoe and up the Southern Midlands. Well, you're lucky I've enough. got the best destinations. Well, I said you've got places like Sapphire, Pyrmont. <laughs> you've got all these places up the East Coast. You've got some exciting developments down Port Arthur. As you said, there's not a. There's probably too many to name. Oh, well, there are, and I certainly wish I had a bank account that could afford to have a night or two at Sapphire, but uh, I don't. But uh, I would like to have the opportunity to, to go through and, and have a visit and have a look. But, look, there's so many... Someone actually said to me the other day, I want to get married, where do you recommend? And I started down the peninsula <laughs> and worked all my way up yep. to Bishanoe. And then we've got some fantastic de- destinations in uh, Southern Midlands as well. Yeah, that's right. You've got a, you're, you've got a very lucky electorate, as we said. So, um, Being a new member of parliament, how have you handled negativity or criticism from people um, about what they say to your, you know, now that you're probably more of a public figure than what you were before, you know, you have run before, but now you are actually a politician. Do you find um, that you get much negativity? I mean, I, I think social media is a great medium for, um, you know, for a lot of things, but I, I do know from running, you know, the gaming campaign that we run and stuff that there can be some horrible things said on social media and other things. And as a politician, have you found that already in your short time or you've been lucky enough to escape that sort of stuff? No, I haven't been lucky enough to escape it. I guess negativity is to be expected in in this in this as part of being a politician. Yep. But uh, certainly during the campaign, um, yeah, I think people hide behind a computer and they can pose who they wish to be and they can say things that they wouldn't actually say. Well, quite frankly, they're piss weak and that's what they are. I mean, and I I think the quicker that governments um, all around the country get in legislation to actually deal with people who think that they can go into social media and make comments that um, uh, affect other people, um, the quicker we do something about that, the better. And that's one of my uh, issues that are on my radar is I think that's something that we need to protect our kids coming through because I worry about what our kids are going to face on social media as it continues on. Absolutely. And look, I've I've sat there and I've responded and it, it ends up being a, a two-hour back and forth response and in the end, there's what's the point? Yeah. What's the point? I just block them. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, as we said before, you have a family. How do you find it now you're a politician and having a and having a family? Obviously you said one of your children are obviously a little bit older and stuff, but obviously you've you've been running for politics for a while and stuff. What sort of impact does it have on your family? I I guess it's uh my daughter was chatting to me about that the other week and she said, Mum, it's really no different. Um, You're incredibly busy before with work and I've always managed small businesses and uh, it just comes down to time management. I guess as far as an adjustment into public life, it's perhaps been harder for my husband really, (laughs) to be honest. Yeah, Yeah, there is an adjustment period for a spouse and and children. Penelope is perhaps a little bit too young but – yeah, it certainly takes a little bit of time. Yeah. Um, Sergi loves to have a bit of an opinion, so I guess he's had to learn to <laughs> hold back and have me 
look at what he's writing. I was going to say, vet all these, vet all these messages. Don't you dare. But, yeah, no, we're, we're working through it. It's good. No, it's good. <laughs> um, given that you're um, one of only a few Liberal members in the upper house, you must have found it hard when you first come in. Well, not hard, but you must have had to get your feet quickly and handle a pretty heavy workload, as you said, because you come in at a pretty busy time in the parliament cycle with the government <laughs> just being re-elected. That must have been hard in itself. Yeah, well, look, coming coming into parliament in, in May... I think I was actually sworn in and then sitting the next week and obviously then, you know, budget, et cetera. Yeah, look, the staff were incredible to me. As far as the Premier and the Premier's staff, they were wonderful and the Legislative Council staff were, were fantastic as well. There is an enormous amount to learn and I just spent my time, and I still do, just reading. I'm learning every day. Yeah, because you don't get much resources in the upper house, um, like staff-wise, I mean. No, no. But uh, the colleagues up there, I must say, they were they were all very good and very welcoming, and my colleagues downstairs were were fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So we talked about family before and how hard it is to be a politician, potentially with a young family. But how do you balance the two? How do you give um, both your job and your family enough um, attention? But you probably said you've done that anyway. Yeah, look, but- coming from coming from a really, I've I've always worked. I've I've never really had any time off, so I've always managed to. You know, there's important dates, the school carnival, et cetera, where you know that parent-teacher, there's yeah. things that you've just got to mark out and prioritise and and we seem to manage that well. Yeah. And uh, Penelope or Serge will soon say to me, no, you know, we've got to have dinner or we've got to, got to go to this and it's just about communication, I yeah. guess. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Um, how does Jane Howlett relax and get away from public life? <laughs> how do I relax? I eat far too much cheese <laughs> and perhaps indulge in uh, in a little gin or wine from my electorate. Um, no. You like people that deal with hospitality. <laughs> Honestly, I um, I do I do get away every now and then and uh, we have a little bit of property and uh, I like to just go down and walk on the beach and, and relax and... Yeah, we indulge in uh, binge-watching movies and series and I grab a book and, yeah. Sometimes walking around this electorate, I mean, you only have to look out the window here at the park where you could, you could argue that you're not really working that hard if you work in Prosser. How beautiful is it? I don't think that to you, but like, what a beautiful place. I, it is a magnificent place and you're, you're quite right. It's it's not too hard to relax. It's There's so many walks in the electorate. You can just take a drive to Coles Bay and yeah. and do the walk into into Wine Glass, go down to the peninsula and, and do the walks down there. It's it's just beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I must admit sometimes I actually don't feel like I'm working. All right, so as we finish up, John, we're going to just do a bit of a word association. We did this with the Premier uh, a couple of weeks ago. We got some different answers. I think we, we got him in a few different uh, predicaments, but um, I'm sure you'll handle yourself very well. So when I uh, say say a particular word, I just want to see the first thing that comes into your mind, just say it. There's no right or wrong, but it'll just be a bit of an interesting uh, to see what answers we get. So um, career. Love it. Childhood. Fantastic. Tasmania. Perfect. Home. Peace. Exercise. Not enough. <laughs> Family. Priority. Media. Challenging. <laughs> Favorite place. Tasmania. Favorite memory. Oh, Favorite memory. Drinking out of a wheel rut on the farm. Jeez, <laughs> it's different. 
desperate it was. <laughs> <laughs> so thirsty. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, that's um, that was good. You handled them nice and easily. So, um, and the last one, Jane. When you finish your political career, which is obviously you hope's a long way away, but when you finish, what do you hope to be remembered for or remembered as as a politician? I'd like to be remembered as that person that is a fighter. They fight for local issues, fight for their community, and actually achieves a really good outcome for the people of not just Prosser, but for the people of Tasmania. And someone who is approachable, I want people to be able to call me up, my mobile's on my card, walk into my office and just feel like they can talk to me. Yeah. Yeah, agree. It'd be a good way to be remembered. So, um, look, we really appreciate you coming on our um, our third episode of um, of uh, our podcast. As I said, to have the Premier on our second one and then yourself, we really just wanted you as a newest politician and um, to come on and, um, I guess, get our listeners to understand who Jane Howlett is. And um, as I said, we think you're going to have a long and distinguished career. And um, as I said, I don't think you can get much better electorate than what you've got up here on the East Coast. But I um, I just really appreciate you taking the time to come up here to Swansea today to catch up with us. And um, it's been a pleasure to have a chat to you. And hopefully we'll get you on the show again as we travel around the East Coast at another time, and especially when we get down the peninsula. I would love to come on the show again. Again, and Aldi, I really hope that you haven't got me into trouble with the Premier drinking <laughs> beer. I should have actually called him and asked if I could. But he, he's always happy for his party to support the hospitality industry, so there's no problem there. Awesome. Well, thank you. Great to talk to you, and as I said, we look forward to chatting to you again. Cheers. What's the point of difference for your hospitality business? The THA. Why? One of the most sought-after services the THA offers is our expert employment relations advice. This service we provide free to all of our members online, over the phone and in person. We have three main goals, to be timely, proactive and value adding to you and your business. Visit tha.asn.au to find out more. All right, as part of our trip today up the East Coast, we've started at, St- at Swansea, sorry, and we finished up at the beautiful place here in Bishano. So uh, we're here at the beachfront Bishano, and as I look out the, the window at the beautiful water and the surf out there, I get to talk to John Mann, the new manager of the beachfront at Bishano. How are you, Manny? Yeah, going well, Aldi. Thanks, mate. Mate, how long have you been here? I know yeah, you've had a fair uh, long history in um, our industry, but how long have you been here at the beachfront now? Um, it's, it's about coming on nine months now, so yeah. It's been a bit of a journey. How are you finding it, mate? I mean, as I said, you're now uh, running a country pub. You've obviously been in the industry, and I think pretty much everyone in Tassie knows who you are, but what's it like running a country pub? Yeah, well, one thing I've said to myself is when I was uh, repping in the breweries is I'd never own a pub, never run a pub, didn't want to get involved. But, uh, you know, the opportunity came up, came down here, beautiful location, and, um, yeah, I'm loving it. It's going really well. I mean, I know what you've done, but for the listeners, what, do you, what did you do before you've been here? I mean, you've had a long long history in the industry. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, look, mate, I've been in the industry since the mid-80s when mum and dad had a restaurant down in Battery Point, an old Dirty Dick Steakhouse, which a few older people might remember. Um, yeah, and did a bit of cooking there and started off on the cooking side and took it a bit further because, you know, cooking, although I enjoyed it, wasn't really where I wanted to be and yeah, went through Drysdale a few years there and then... Pretty much moved into hospitality and um, went to WA with hospitality. Uh, spent nine years over there thinking it would be a two-year journey. Um, actually worked for Bogues over in WA. So, yeah, I was a state sales manager over there for a couple of years and then um, headed back to Tasmania um, and Launceston's where I ended up. And, yeah, went back into the repping game with Southcorp and then through the CUV channels. Yeah, because as you said, or you started to say, you're a qualified chef, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 
So have they got you, or have you got yourself cooking up here? I think I chatted to you a couple of times since I've been up here. You've had to do a little bit of filling in, haven't you? Yeah, look, mate, I think the, the thing with hospitality is, is it's such an all-round business. And, uh, you know, when you employ people, you employ specialists in, in certain fields. Uh, but, you know, everyone's got to be prepared to, to get in there and, and, and pull their weight and uh, do a little bit of everything. And, and, yeah, being a chef, I sometimes get caught back in the kitchen, I suppose. <laughs> Nothing you can do about it. Um, it's interesting because you've got a family. So how, how have you found it having your family? and all and have to move down to, as you said, I mean, from Launceston to Bishnoe, we're talking a couple of hours drive, so we're not talking moving heaven and earth, but we are, you are coming a fair way. So what's that been like for the family? Yeah, look, look, it's, um, well, my partner, Ange, and I are both here. So Ange is, she's the other half of the business. So she's, she's pretty much based up in the front office looking after the hotel side of the business, the housemaids and that. Um, and look, I mean, you look at their location, you'd want to spend as much time down here as you could. But, you know, we try and get back home to Launceston as much as we can. My, my, my son, I, uh, I sort of uh, go up there and, and collect him and, and then we come back down here and he can't get enough of the Bishno scene, especially the, the, the pool out the back. But, uh, yeah, look, it is a bit of travelling. Um, you know, the focus was always to, to be in Bishno and get stuck into the pub game and, yeah, and just go from there. It's yeah, hard to imagine a better pub for you to grab hold of. I know you said you really didn't want to run a pub, but there wouldn't be many uh, pubs in Tasmania that you'd probably want to grab hold of, would there? No, well, mate, as you said, looking out the window before when you when you started talking, it's um it's probably the best location in Tasmania, I think. Um, and you know, it's a one pub town. It's a high tourist town through the through the season, and yeah, it's an absolute cracker. We were talking about it earlier. What have you done? I mean, previously, obviously, Shane Lockett was here and he's a bit of a legend in the industry, being here 25, 30 years. What have you done different? Obviously, following in the footsteps of someone like that is not always easy, but I know you've sort of come in and changed a few things around, and I think from uh, all I understand, the locals love it. So what have you done differently to what's previously been done? Um, well, as you said, Lock, Shane, great man. You know, when I was a CUB rep, I used to call on the pub down here, so I sort of had an idea of, of the venue itself. Um, a lot different to running it, as being on the other side of the, the bar and uh, the entertainment side of it. But, yeah, look, we, we just try to absorb as much as the information that he gave us uh, about the pub. We, uh, I, I suppose what we tried to do was take a bit of a different focus on the food uh, and, and maybe some of the, the areas within the hotel rooms and that we, we changed a little bit, just... Uh, Add a little bit more value for money, I suppose. So the experience was better for the patrons, especially the tourists. Um, and yeah, with the locals, just try and get them to know them as best as we can, but also invite other people that might not be coming to the pub in here to come and have a beer with us. And I think you were saying to me earlier, you've extended, sort of in certain areas, extended the hours to sort of make sure you're catering for the locals as well as the tourists? Yeah, I think the one, I mean, Bishano's got quite a high percentage of, of younger people and uh, what we wanted to do is not exclude them from the, from the business. So we've extended the trading hours. We go through till midnight now rather than closing up the venue a little bit earlier. Um, I suppose with doing that, there's always risks, but look, to be fair and, and to credit to everyone in the community, we've had no issues here and... And we've had a great response to the whole, you know, thing of keeping the bar open later at night. Yep. So for those listeners that don't know the beachfront, tell us what's here, because obviously this is a, not just a, a sort of a pub hotel, this is probably one of the biggest joints. You've pretty much got everything on offer, but for our listeners, just explain what's here. Yeah, <clears throat> well, I suppose the benefit of being ambitious is we're sort of halfway on the east coast where the real tourism boom's happening. So, you know, we're probably 35-minute drive from Coles Bay, you know, 45-minute drive from St Helens. So you can really make this the hub of, of what you're doing on the east coast. But, yeah, a lot of people might not know, you know, we've got a bar, a bistro, we've got a you know, fully stocked big bargain bowl shop, uh, we've got a small gaming area, but we've also got 50 hotel rooms. And, uh, 
you know, you drive past the front of the pub and you you, you look at you, you look at it as you're driving up the main road and you think, oh, well, there's there's a hotel with about 26 rooms or something like that. But yeah, we've actually got 50 hotel rooms here and we've also got a second restaurant at the top near reception. Yeah, to, and sort of convention rooms because I know there's a lot of – this is sort of a real meeting place for um, a lot of different community groups and businesses on the East Coast, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got the conference room out the back which we can hold 120 – People, if we're having a sit-down dinner, but do quite a lot of seminars, East Coast Tourism, I meet here, Break a Day Council, Glamorgan Spring Bay Council, um, certainly had a lot of industry people, THA, I know has been up here before, and, and, and Lion Nathan and that, but you know, we've also got a wedding happening this weekend on, on Australia Day, so we've got you know, 72 people up there for a wedding, so yeah, there's endless opportunities, it's about maximising what you can with the location and with the business. So given all that, how many staff do you have here? Oh, look, it varies from season to season. Um, obviously, through the winter, it's a little bit quieter here because the tourism is, isn't at its peak. But in saying that, you, you look back over last year and what we've done this year, the tourism season certainly kicked in a lot earlier. And we're getting a lot more visitors through. But in terms of staff through our peak times, we'd have 50-plus staff employed here. Majority locals? Uh, the core are the majority of locals. Um, through the summer, we probably pick up about 25 you know, seasonal workers. Yeah, but for the locals, I guess this must be just well, one of the major employers in the town, really. There wouldn't be many bigger employers than this place. No, you've got a, a you know, concreting business and, the, and the, the salmon farms just down the road, but essentially, uh, farm, sorry, it's, essentially it is the pub. Yeah. You, know, we, we've, you know, we've got one lady here that's been you know, here for 38 years. That's, that's been her employment. We had one lady that left us well, about eight months ago and she'd been here for 43 years. So, um, and then you end up employing their children or you employ their, their, their brother, their sister and that type of thing. Yep. So we had a young girl start here last night, 16 years old, but the daughter of one of the bar staff, and she'll just do a bit of bistro work here. But, you know, it's probably her first venture into being employed. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? So what do you think the hotel means for Bishno? I mean, I come up here a fair bit now and stuff, but realistically, this place is pretty much the hub of, of Bishno and pretty much a big chunk of the East Coast, really. Yeah, very much so. I mean, it's just not a place that you come in and have a drink. You know, it might be a meeting place. You know, the, the recent Food and Wine Festival, this is where all the committee meetings were held. All the community uh, events are sort of based around around the pub. You know, you've, you do have a community hall down there, but... You know, people come in here, they can have a meeting, they don't have to come in for a drink or anything like that. But yeah, it really is the, the core of, of the community. You know, you have about 850 people living in Bishino and the town is growing. A lot more people, uh, you know, buying blocks here, developing land. And, you know, they might be, shack, might be shacks or shack owners and that, but it's still important for them that they have a place to come to yeah. within Bishino itself. Yeah, so you must support a lot of, obviously, like a lot of pubs in regional areas, but also city areas, you must support a lot of community groups and different things around the place. I'm sure they rely on you to sort of be the backbone of the community even in relation to, to fundraising and community efforts and stuff yeah. like that. Anytime we have a fundraising opportunity, we jump on board, um, particularly within that local area. And that local area might expand down as far to Swansea or, you know, as far up as Scamander. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we certainly jump on, you know, the Bishano Nippers. You know, we had a fundraiser for them over the, the Food and Wine Festival with a, with a poolside breakfast. And certainly helped them out. And even as far as St Mary's with the recent St Mary's Cup and the pacing day, we, we were sponsoring that event as well. Yeah, it's fantastic. So so what's the plans for the next sort of 12 months? What do you see on the horizon for this place? Pretty much still get your feet under the table, so to speak, and just keep making sure you're hitting higher marks than previous? Or? Yeah, yeah, that, that's it, mate. And also about building the business and um, it's probably building that strength within the community as well. Uh, you know, it, might, it has only been eight or nine months. Yeah, we're in the middle of our, our peak time. 
and we've probably still got another month and a half to go with that peak time. So, look, we've just got to, to see that out and maybe try and you know, establish ourselves, establish that core level of staffing so that, you know, we can take this place further again. Yeah, well, one of the things I've noticed getting up here is the food quality. I don't know. You're a chef, you haven't done all of it, but the quality of food here is um, is fantastic. For you know, what you want to call hotel pub meals, it's far better than that. Thanks, mate. That's good. I'll write the menu. So. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it is. It, and I, we've had a lot of guests come up to our place because yeah. we've got to check out, and they're just amazed at the quality of food that when you come in here is, is top notch. Yeah, I, I think it's just about, you know, making it simple pub food, um, but also, you know, through this time of the year, it's also about using what's what's out there, what's in that water. You know, people want to come here, they see the ocean, they want to eat seafood. So as much as possible, we try, try and harness that. Um, but, yeah, you've got to be... Yeah, it's, it's just not – you can go out on a wing and do something specialised. You've got to try and appeal to everyone, um, and that's what we try and do here. So, yeah, hopefully we're doing a good job, and, and, and I think, you know, hopefully that well, does seem to reflect in the numbers, particularly this time of the year. Yeah, so I guess the message is anyone who's coming to the east coast of Tasmania, if you're looking for accommodation, good meal, uh, you know, friendly service, a drink at a bar, um, even a flutter on the gaming machine, or even having a bet, I guess, um, you know, beachfront of is the place to come, you'd say, I guess, mate. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you wouldn't want to go anywhere else. I think, you know, we've got the location, we've, we've got the accommodation, you know, we'll be moving into doing some more packages through winter, so we, you know, we embrace that time of the year, because really, I mean, the east coast is beautiful all year round, so... Come and see it in winter. Um, you know, we're doing a little bit with the golf club, a little bit with the wine glass based cruise company and that type of thing. You try and make it a total package so people can come down here, spend a day, spend two days and, and, and enjoy themselves. Yeah, mate, it's been uh, great chatting to you. I know over the next couple of um, – or next 12 months, we're going to try to get up here again and have a chat to you to see how it's going. Um, as much for the fact that me and Rones want to get on the road up here and enjoy <laughs> enjoy the great place that Bishano is. So thanks for taking the time, mate. And um, as I said, if anyone is coming up the Bishano way, there's no better spot to stay, one and two, eat, is to come into the beachfront. So, um, yeah, we just got to commend you, mate, for the effort that you and your staff do. And um, we look forward to hearing about how it goes in the future. Thanks, mate. Can't wait till you come back up for a beer. Tasmanian's own larger-than-life world chopping champion, David Foster, will be assisting the THA with hospitality in our community by going out into the communities and towns around Tasmania, talking with community leaders and telling stories of why pubs and clubs are an important part of their communities. David Foster held the World Wood Chopping Championship title for 21 consecutive years and may be the only athlete of any sport in the world to have won over a thousand titles. Introducing David Foster. One great thing about being in Tasmania, and as a Tasmania, you get a chance to have a bit of a look around and drive. And today, we, we've dr- I've drove from uh, Swansea and on my way to Bishano, and I've come across the Pondering Frog. And I've actually had the opportunity uh, to have uh, something to eat here, and it's fantastic. For those people that have not been to Tasmania or know where it is, it's nearly in, it's nearly into Bishano, I suppose, um, is what you call it. So if you go on that highway on the on the Bishano, you can't miss it. There's a great big frog out here, and I'm with Lester. G'day, Lester. How are you? How are you, David? Good to see you. Yeah, you too. And let me tell you what a beautiful day it is here as well. Lester, how long have you had this business? Um, We've been here four and a half years now, David. Uh, When I first come here, there was a tin shed in the middle of the paddock. Uh, We've spent half a million dollars setting this place up because we know it's the right location. We're the gateway into Wanglass Bay. Everyone's got to go past. Uh, 320,000 go to Wanglass Bay a year. 
I don't want them all, but a few will be good. <laughs> so, have you done a bit of a survey, Lester? How many people come here during the during the year? Yeah, well, we we uh, come from the Sunshine Coast down here. Um, I spent six months doing me um, due diligence on before we bought the block. We knew it was right. Um, the the highway is not going to go away. Wineglass Bay is not going to go away. We've got a freshwater river there. We're on this side of the uh, Carls Bay turnoff. If we put here what we know about this business, we've been in this game all our life. We know it'll work. And um, yeah, we we're doing uh, in the order of about thirty to fifty thousand visitors now. So that's good. So you do that on your own, or um, how many people would you have working for you? Well, we've got six people here now, uh, always looking for new staff, uh, people that want to stay in the area a bit longer, but we use travelling grey nomads to help us because we need that volume of people that come for a period and drop off. Uh, yes, it's quieter in the wintertime, but it's uh, it's fine. We're open seven days a week. We got it. We're here. That's what it's about. And you're trying to use as much uh, Tasmanian produce as you can. I noticed that you've got cheese platters that they can take away with them yep. as well. I noticed all that's just, all that is Tasmanian uh, Tasmanian products yep. as well. Yeah, we we use as much a Tasmanian product we can. We make our own products here, like the jams and pickles and sauces. Um, I make them at night when I'm about to sit down. I'd say oh, I better not sit down. I better keep making something. So. You know, yeah, we may, we do very well with our ice creams. Um, our ice creams are all handmade here, um, and our food's very special. And uh, you run this with your wife, or you're oh, on I've your got own? A partner, I don't want a wife. Uh, <laughs> a partner's me, lady. She's pretty good. Um, very good chef. Um, yeah, it works well. The combination works. I I talk. She's a she keeper. Works. She's a keeper. Oh yeah, she's been around for a while now. <laughs> As I say, <laughs> it's a real I, Tasmanian thing, mate. Yeah, I, I talk and she works. That's how it goes. <laughs> you got a perfect relationship. It just sounds like mine at home. Uh, um, so uh, so. Uh, all the things that you've done here, uh, I can see there's new fencing up and there's a deck out the back here. What if, if when people are coming past, what can they expect when they walk in here? Oh, pretty excitement. Um, <laughs> we, we've got a, our, our own RV stop that I set up after I went through the lunacy of local government, but they're all right. Um, they're in their place, but the RV stops for self-contained people. They can stay for two or three days. They come over and have a meal. Whoever's yeah. travelling, yeah. they get information off us. We give them as much information as we can about the area, try and keep them in the area a bit longer. I mean, the East Coast is the Gold Coast of Tasmania. There's no doubt about that. But people have to realise that if you don't book on busy periods, you won't get any accommodation because everyone from Hobart and Launceston want to come here over the, the uh, summer period. Well, that's what I've just noticed today. It's one of these areas as a Tasmanian is that sometimes you don't get a chance to come down. I think it's been a couple of years since I've been down here and driving today, such a beautiful day, you just realise the beauty, the beauty that you've got. Over those last four years, Lester, I suppose you've seen a, a massive change in the matter of uh, tourism. Yeah, well, we have segments throughout the year and certain countries travel at certain times of the year. Um we, we get a lot of international visitors even over the winter and it's a, it's sad that a lot of places don't open over the winter because they need to because there's yep. people want to be sure that when they're travelling that something's going to be there for them and, and that needs to be worked on. Uh, we're open seven days a week. We're even open Christmas Day. Christmas Day is our biggest take day of the year. Well, somebody's got to eat, open. haven't they? Well, when the people are travelling, they've got to eat. It's as simple oh, yeah. as that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the Pondering Frog, I've got to ask, where did that name come from? Do, do, have you got any idea? Yeah, there's a story, and I suppose I've got time to tell the story. Um, when we come down from the Sunshine Coast, um, step back a little bit, my wife's father collected frogs 70 years ago. She carried on. Righto, not 
with anything else, but carried on with the frogs. <laughs> At any rate, so we, we um, on our way down through Griffith, where my daughter lived at the time, um, she said, Dad, I've got a big, that big frog that's up there in the room, and that picture, she said, I'm going to give that to uh, Colette to add to the collection. Fine. I said, that'll be good. When we first come here, that little tin shed, we built a veranda out the front first. We sat that big frog outside the door. Two days we were here, no name for it. I mean, there was no inspiration in anything here really, but there was no name we had. And uh, a a farmer from up the road called in to welcome us and he was just standing there talking. He said, what's that frog thinking about? Because it's pondering, as you can see in the floor up there. And, uh, and Colette said, well, actually, he must be thinking about what we're going to call the place, so we must be pondering over what we're going to call the place. And we looked at one another and said, there's the name. That's it. Perfect. Well, ladies and gentlemen, those people listening to this, uh, do yourself a favour, call in here, come and say good day to Lester, and, and also get a chance to come down to this, as Lester calls, the Gold Coast of Tasmania. I think the northwest coast is that, but that's something that Lester and I will talk about after the radio interview, and uh, that's if Lester's still here after I hit him. But Lester... Well, well if you hit me, David, I'll be into the next trip. <laughs> but Lester, thank you very much. Um, I must admit that uh, this won't be the last time that I'll call in here. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you and appreciate you calling in. Thanks, mate. Bye. Well, I'm sitting here at the beachfront and I'm uh, talking to Nick Boone, who is the manager here. Welcome, Nick. How are you, buddy? Yeah, very well. Thank you, David. How are you? Not too bad. How long have you worked here, mate? Uh, just over 12 months. Yeah. And enjoyed it? Yes. Enjoyed my time here, for sure. And uh, tell me a bit of the background that you've had um, in this industry. I uh, started in the industry when I was 18 and I've worked in various places, one being um, the Mets in the Bay in Hobart and I've also done a little bit of work in the uh, Northern Territory as well. Okay. Whereabouts, whereabouts in the Northern Territory? I, I actually went to the Umpty Doo Hotel uh, where, they, where, they, where, they, where the bull was drinking beer. He, he drank more beer than I did, but the, he, was, he was bigger though. He had four, he had four legs. Yeah. yeah, I was actually in uh, Mitchell Street in the main main strip in okay. Darwin at the tap on Mitchell, yeah. Okay, so when you said you've been in this game, um, are you, are you don't look that old. Old? How, are you, how old are you? Uh, 29. Okay, okay. You've been in the game for a fair while. Yeah. Oh, good. And they tell me that, you, they tell me that you're actually moving on. Yes, yes, moving on. So what, what are you planning to do? Uh, myself and my dad have actually purchased the Huntington Tavern in Kempton. Have you? Yes. Well, that's that's a lovely tavern. Yeah. No, yeah. we're really looking forward to that, so we take over on the 13th of March. So. Oh, good. So everybody everybody out there listening, so what are you planning to do there? At, uh, because you've got a bit of room to move there. There's quite, a, there's quite a big restaurant area there as well, a nice bar. Yeah, and a decent uh, beer garden as well. That's right. Yep. So our first um, major event that we're having there is the Wolf Brothers, which is on the 13th of April. So we're going to kick off with them and we'll start making some changes, you know, after we've been in there for a little while and got our feet, so... Yeah. Well, you're not that far from Hobart either, are you, in a sense? No, no, and that's what I, I sort of like about it because I'm a little bit closer to home, so. Yeah. Mm. Well, best of luck with that. So anybody uh, know where that is? It's, um, it's just off the highway there. If, you, if, you, if you're coming into Kempton, you, um, Kempton is bypassed, uh, so it's, uh, there's a good chance to call in there and say go to Nick. Have a beer in the beer garden. Actually, I might come in there as well and have a beer with you, Nick. Yeah, that sounds great. Okay, since you've been here in the 12 months, what sort of changes have you seen in, uh, in, in the amount of people, tourists? Yeah, definitely an increase in the number of tourists coming through the town. Um, I sort of find that, you know, the tourism levels are, you know, getting that big at the moment that, you know, the town's actually struggling to keep up with the amount of tourists that we've got coming through. So, 
It's a fantastic thing, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's great for the yeah, state. So. You, you kind of take it for granted. Uh, you know, we don't, me, me personally, don't come down this area very much, but my, my drive through here uh, today, I really just appreciate what we've got here, uh, like, like in Tasmania, and, and it makes you quite proud as well. So will you be having a, uh, a, a new venture where you'll be trying to push as much Tasmanian stuff as we can? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, we've got some, we've got some very, very good produce there. Yeah, yeah. Well, mate, uh, we wish you all the very best uh, with your up and coming venture. So, anybody going down through uh, Kempton, down on the Midlands Highway, uh, don't call into, uh, don't call into the Mood Food. Call into where you can get a nice beer at a beer garden and uh, maybe some very good uh, pub meals as well. Thanks, Nick. No worries. Thanks, David. Cheers. Well, I'm sitting here opposite this beautiful lady. Lorinda, how are you, my dear? Uh, very well. Thank you, David. It's been ages since we've actually had a chance, just you and I together. Remember the old days when we had a bit more time together, but he's not here. Um, we're at the Bark Mill here, uh, Tavern, and the bakery, of course, now at Swansea. And uh, is he here or is he playing golf? Oh, he's here today. He's here today. Yeah, today. Now, now, now he's not here. How much golf does he play? Um, only what's necessary for his public relations role. So that's every day? <laughs> not every day. <laughs> well, every time I come down here, it's not very often that he's here and you're always here working. Uh, what a marvellous job uh, that, you, that you've done since you've been here. 11 years. Yes, 11 years, that's right. And you're looking forward to retirement? Oh, yes. <laughs> well, you've been, you've, you've been in this industry pretty well all your, all your marriage life, have you? Or? Uh, yeah, um, 30, 35 years. We'll be married 40 years next month. Okay, 40 years. Uh, and uh, how many kids? Two. Two. Any grandkids yet? Three. Have you? Yes. Oh, I've got seven. I'm one more, nearly nearly eight. <laughs> so there's a there's a, there's a rumours, it was not actually rumours now after speaking to Timmy, that uh, you're going to be hopefully retired. Uh, have you got any plans? Oh, no. We'll just take each day as it comes and um, – yeah, see if we can adjust to life without hospitality. It's, it's been good to you? Yes, yes, it has been good. We've had um, great times, great fun and made great friends. Yeah. And uh, is that what you're going to miss out of the hospitality ministry, do you think? Yeah, yes, probably the contact with the people and, um, you know, the, the tourists and the locals. Yeah. So. Um, I guess it all started because Tim used to like to come home and bring a football team home for tea and drinks. So we thought we might as well have a hotel, so maybe we'll start bringing the golf club home overnight. So you might have to build a bigger home with the, <laughs> with a bigger bar maybe. Possibly. The, the nights aren't as late now. We don't do late nights anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, since you've been in this industry, what's the changes that you've seen, do you think? Oh, well, rules and regulations. Um, everything's so regulated now. Um, you're accountable for so much more, whether it be the patrons and the staff. Yeah. Um, so that's one side of it. And I guess um, the, well, especially been, since we've been here the last 11 years, the growth in the tourism industry. Yeah. It's just huge. Yeah, I noticed when since I've been here, the amount of uh, people like we've, I've been lucky to, to have eaten here a lot uh, every time I come down here. And, and it probably is the best place to eat in Swansea, I would say. Oh, well, I'd have but to, I can say that. Yes. 
I'd have to agree with you. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to agree. There's a lot of hard work and beautiful food here. Since you've been here in the 11 years, we talk about the tourism industry. How much change do you think you've seen, especially here with more and more buses, is there, and more yes. and more distant? Uh, yes. A lot. You never used to see – I mean, we used to get coach – big coaches in for our museum but um, the road and the car park it's just full of um, you know the the mini buses you know 14 to 20 so people um, they're all going to do walks at Freycinet um, or going to Mariah Island um, they're just exploring the east coast and um, you know before, uh, when we first came here from after Easter, which was usually March, April, um, through until basically the 26th of December, it was very quiet, very yep. sleepy, whereas now it's just all go. You, you, you definitely do see that. Uh, more and more travelling we do. Uh, there seems to be a lot of, uh, to me, a, a lot of Asian people. Yes, yes. Um, oh, yes, that um, we certainly have, you know, Chinese and Asian, but then you sort of have runs of, you know, Americans and French yeah, and, yeah, yeah no, it's uh, it, more Asians, but, um, you know, there's all nationalities coming through. Yeah, I suppose with these international people coming through, uh, uh, the food, like our our language is different than there. We call things differently. Uh, do you do you have yourself finding uh, uh, what you've got to explain what such and such is in the rolls or something? Yes, um, yeah, not so much down in the bakery cafe area, but more up in the bistro area. Um, they especially want um, our beautiful seafood. Yeah. Um, beef, lamb. Yeah. You know, if you say those three key words, um, you know that that's what they're after. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So you find that uh, people coming looking for jobs. Uh, th- is there very many uh, international people looking for? Um, we pr- we probably don't have that many people walking through the doors looking for jobs, but we for our um, casual summer staff we do use. A lot of international um, travellers, backpackers. Yep. Um, they love working in the area, being on the east coast of Tasmania. They will have them for anything from six weeks to twelve to fourteen weeks. Yeah. Uh, they work intensely hard, very loyal and and good for the business. And then they take their wages and they go and explore. Go and explore. How many people would you employ over over the twelve months? As in how many backpackers? Yeah, would backpackers we and stuff. Probably. Well, so we've got three on at the moment. They'll leave in a couple of weeks. We've got another three coming. Um, so, And then we'll carry two over the winter as well. So then uh, they'll go back to their country, tell people what a great place mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, the Swansea Bark Mill Tavern is, and they'll come here and work for uh, the next people that's taken over. Yeah, that's it. Um yeah, I mean, they're really interesting, you know, they're from Nullarbor and out the back of somewhere else and, you know, Kangaroo Island, they've been, you know, yeah. everywhere, probably seen more of Australia than what I have. I know when I was in the industry, that it's it's about people and uh, I'm sure that you are actually uh, going to miss that people side of it because I know when Jan and I had the Axons Hall of Fame, um, I really miss that contact with different people from different countries, different nationalities and uh, and uh, you kind of, I, I know you don't get, I know you get uh, tired and and uh, you're working off your feet but there's something about that people contact. Yeah, that's right. Well, it's, it's hospitality and 
um, if you don't like people, you shouldn't be in it. No, that's exactly right. So uh, on behalf of all of us, uh, behind every lazy man, there's a very hardworking woman. And every time I've been down here, you've been that hardworking woman. And I hope that you enjoy your retirement, enjoy the grandkids. And uh, and they tell me he's even buying a, a, a golfing bloody uh, business, so you're going to see less of him. So, on on behalf of everybody down at Swansea here, thanks very much for for, for making the Bark Mill such a beautiful place with your beautiful smile every time I've come here. Oh, thanks. And I've embarrassed that. Look at that. <laughs> Thank you. Next up, Nick Roney and Steve Old. Right, Aldi. So the big question is, podcast four. Where are we off to? Well, mate, once we get the great feedback on Podcast 3, this one, we'll get down Podcast 4, which we're going to head down the Huon Valley. So we're going to be down Huonville Way, which is a great opportunity for us to talk to the to the um, guys and girls at uh, Willie Smith's, which is obviously just a marquee place that's um, well-known right around the country now. And there's plenty of great wineries and little restaurants down there in the Huon Valley, which we're really looking forward to speaking to. So uh, Podcast 4 is going to be really exciting to get down the far south and have a chat to those operators um, down the Huon, um, probably 45-minute drive from Hobart. We're looking forward to taking David Foster on the road with us and having a bit of a chat to some of the venues down there. Um, it's going to be an exciting show when we get down the Huon Valley. So, Very good, Aldi, and we'd just like to thank our major sponsors in Tab Corp, and thanks to everyone out there for listening. Tune in, Podcast 4. Spot on, mate. We need to, again, as we always do, thank Tabcor, who's our naming rights partner for our podcast show. Without Tabcor, we couldn't get the show out there. So, once again, we really want to thank those guys and thank them for their support to not just the TAHA, but the whole industry in Tasmania. Hospitality in our community is proudly brought to you by the Tasmanian Hospitality Association and produced by Beetle Black Media. Remember to subscribe, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and share your favourite episodes with friends. See you next time.